are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I'm going to speak tonight on the subject, What Can You Do to Save America? I do not know, I do not think, that we realize, we who sit in the complacency of a wonderful, utopian situation like this, many of the things going on in our country. I'm afraid we're putting our head in the sand like the ostrich and refusing to realize that the shadows of our America or over our America are just about completed. Many of you know that I preached in New York City recently and almost didn't get out alive. I'll be honest with you, for a few minutes that night, I thought I might be a martyr. I mean in America, right here in the United States. I fully expect preachers to be martyred in my lifetime if our Lord tarries. Now you say, Brother House, what in the world are you talking about? I'll tell you exactly what I'm talking about. You just let this crowd of lawbreakers decide that they're going to have a little <coughs> hobby and make, make, make play out of persecuting Christians and God's preachers. We're just that far tonight from, from preachers having to pay for the truth with their lives. The Bible says the day is going to come when men will kill us and think they do God service. I fully expect in just a few years church visitation to be outlawed in most of the big cities in America. Our teenagers who go soul winning have already had the police called several times. And they have been asked not to win souls because they are peddling without a license. But over here in Chicago, Vernon Lyons and some of his dear people at the Ashburn Baptist Church put some gospel tracts on cars in a parking lot, and the fellow was indicted for it and had to go to court. In Massachusetts, not long ago, one of my preacher brethren went out to make a visit and had a peace bond placed on him and was told he could make no more visits in the name of Christ. Now you just wait. You just wait. It won't be long in America to where you'll be breaking a law when you go out and go soul winning, unless something is done. I fully expect in our generation communism to run its course and I would not be at all surprised, and in fact, it'll happen unless something else happens, unless we do something. Our republic, life of, of, of republic or democratic living and freedom will go down the drain. I fully expect, unless a miracle takes place in our lifetime, I fully expect that churches will not be allowed to be evangelistic. We'll be allowed to meet but will not be allowed to spread the truth of Christ. A young man in our church, one of our fine kids, <coughs> went to a state university this summer in another state, state of Iowa. Good kid, soul winner, one of the finest soul winners we have. He wrote me a letter and said, uh, Brother Hiles, pray for me. I'm witnessing and I'm passing out tracts. He called me on the telephone last week. And said, Pastor, 
I've been witnessing and passing out tracts, and the dean has come to me and said, they're going to send me home if I pass out another tract, or if I witness anybody else. And I called him by name, and I said, are you witnessing in the classroom? He said, no, I'm not. I said, are you, are you doing it? Uh, 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 where are you witnessing? He said, on the campus, on the street. I said, are you passing out tracts inside the school? He said, no, I'm not. I'm passing out tracts on the street. And I, he said, what to do? I said, just go ahead on. Just go ahead on. He said, but they say they'll send me home. I said, the Black Panthers can pass out their garbage. You pass out your, your, your truth. I said, the, I said, the hippies can stand on that same campus and pr- promulgate their truth and propagate uh, their era and propagate their garbage. I said, just keep on doing it. Now, you're looking at one preacher that's not going to discourage Christians to do, uh, from doing as much as the heathen crowd does. Now, uh, we'll quit passing out our tracks on the streets when they quit passing out the Black Panthers. Oh, we won't either. But, but uh, I mean, we'll consider a little change when they consider a little change. And as long as in the Hammond High School they sell Black Panther literature, I say, let's just pass out the gospel tracks and let them know how to be saved, too. And nobody has any legal right to say to us, you can't do it, till they say to them, you can't do it. Now you say, Brother House, you, you're just, you just sort of adamant about it. You just, you, you're dead sure or right. I mean, we long enough have left the evangelism up to the heretics. We've left the zeal up to the Black Panthers and the SDS. We've left the propagation uh, and, and the propaganda business up to those who are trying to destroy America. And brother, if we don't fight for our rights to pass out the truth and broadcast the truth and witness about the truth, the day will come in our lifetime unless we do something. Then our type of Christianity will become antiquated. Many times in history, one person has saved the nation. Oh, don't misunderstand me. No one person ever does anything alone. But one person has done something that was the thing that turned the tide and saved the nation. Was it not true of David? When David <coughs> took the slingshot and the stones and hurled the stone toward the temple of Goliath and uh, the head of Goliath and, and killed the great giant nine feet nine inches tall and the battle was won, one man did the job and saved the nation. It was true in the life of Shamgar, the judge. Shamgar took, took uh, an ox goad, a stick if you please, with the pointed end used to prod the oxen along. He took an ox goad, and with that ox goad slew 600 Philistines and saved the nation for God. <laughs> when I think of Shamgar, I think of uh, Levi. I was preaching out in a, at a college one time. I'd been there one time before. And I've got a sermon. I used to preach it a great deal on Shamgar. He was one man in one place. He was a little man in a little place, but he gave what he had where he was to God and, and, and saved the nation. Well, there's only one thing about Shamgar in the whole Bible. He took a, he took a stick and stuck 600 folks in the gizzard. That's in the Hebrew language. And uh, 600 folks and killed 600 Philistines and won the battle and saved the day. And so I stood up to speak in this college and I said, I said, I'm going to bring a message on Shamgar. I said, I dare say that most of you do not even know who Shamgar is. How many of you students know who Shamgar is? And every kid there raised his hand. And I said, well, I'm sure that, wait till I get through before you get to the point. And, uh, but anyway, uh, I said, I'm sure that you've never heard a sermon. Most of you never heard a sermon on Shamgar. I said, how many of you students have heard a sermon on Shamgar? And every student raised his hand. And I said, where did you hear a sermon on Shamgar? And the one smart aleck said, last time you were here, there I was, about to preach on Shamgar, and preached the whole sermon the last time I was there. And so I, I stuttered a bit, and I said, that's right, you're right. I said, I'm preaching the second in a series of sermons on, on Shamgar. And there I was, in 40 minutes on chapel, and had to think of things about a guy that all he ever did was stick a bunch of folks with an ox goat. And I had to preach 40 minutes ad-lib on Shamgar, but uh, Shamgar saved the nation. 
And, um, in fact, they learned things about Shamgar that they had never learned. In fact, uh, they learned things about Shamgar weren't even the Bible. And, uh, it's like the colored preacher heard a man pray one time. He said, man, that's the prettiest prayer I ever heard. Said, said, pastor, said, that man asked God for things you didn't even know God has. And that's the way I preached my sermon. Esther saved the nation, seemingly alone, with the help of Mordecai and others, but Esther, uh, because she was beautiful and because she was courageous, she became the queen, went before the king, risked her life, and saved the nation. Jonah saved the city. God called Jonah to go to Nineveh and cry aloud against the sins of Nineveh. Jonah refused, went down to, to, uh, to um, uh, Joppa, got a ticket to Tarshish, got on the ship. A storm came, he was cast off, went in the fish's um, uh, uh, belly, did up three days and three nights, was uh, uh, vomited up on the shore, and went to Nineveh, and the city, which had as high, and many think as high as two, two and a half million people, and some go above, above that, they think Nineveh had ten million people. I doubt that, but the entire city turned to God. Why? Because of one man. Because of one man. The Bible says we're the salt of the earth, uh, and the salt, as long as it has its savor, can keep complete decaying from coming to the earth. Revelation 3.20 is a very interesting verse. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If, if any man hear my voice, doesn't say if any church hear my voice, or any board hears my voice, or any group hears my voice, if any man will hear my voice, I will come in and sup with him, and he with me. Now that means that you can do something. You can do something. You say, preacher, I'm no David that can be killed Goliath with a slingshot. I'm no young, uh, king, aspiring king. I'm no Shamgar, a judge, who can take an ox goad and slay 600 Philistines. I'm no queen. I'm no Esther to march courageously before the king, to the king and risk my life. I'm no Jonah to be an evangelist to call an, a big city to God with uh, two and a half million people. I'm just a common person. You may say, I'm just a mother. What can I, a mother, do? Well, I'll tell you what one mother did. One mother was the wife of a man who was jailbird. Spent much of his time in jail. Didn't pay his debts and spent much of his time in jail. But through their marriage, God, uh, their marriage was blessed with many children. The seventeenth child was named John. I think, if I'm not mistaken, the nineteenth child was named Charles. Susanna Wesley decided that she would take an hour a week with every child. And on Thursday night, she spent one hour every week on Thursday night with John Wesley, an hour with each one. But she spent one hour with John. She taught him to be honest. She taught him to be have character. She taught him to be a man. She taught him to be the right kind of Christian. She taught him salvation. She taught him about the Christian life. She taught him uh, purity. She taught him decency. And that one mother shook all of England for God. And the great John Wesley started the movement. He said, if I can find ten men that hate nothing but sin, love nothing but God, seek nothing but the souls of men, we can turn England upside down for God. And that man did turn England upside down for God. You said, well, I'm not, uh, I'm not rocking in my crib tonight. I'm not rocking a John Wesley. Neither did Susanna Wesley think she was rocking a John Wesley. What you say, Pastor? I'm just a Sunday school teacher. Just an ordinary kind of a Sunday school teacher. I'm no preacher, evangelist, pastor, or a theologian. I'm no king like David. I'm no queen like Esther. I'm just a Sunday school teacher. What could I do? Well, I'll tell you what one did. His name was Kimbo. He went to a shoe store one day and visited, made an absentee visit to a young boy named Dwight. He walked nervously out in front of the shoe store, trying to get enough courage to walk in and, and, and talk to Dwight. Enough courage he did get, and walked inside the shoe store, and there won Dwight L. Moody to Jesus Christ. Did you know, somebody said, and I'm not sure all this is exactly accurate, that Dwight Moody won a fine man named F.B. Meyer to Jesus Christ, and F.B. Meyer won a fellow named Wilbur Chapman to Jesus Christ, and there was a man, who a boy, who worked for Wilbur Chapman as his tent boy in his great campaigns, and his name was Billy Sunday. And Biddy Sunday had a fellow saved in Charlotte, North Carolina, whose name was uh, uh, Mordecai Ham. And in one of Mordecai Ham's revivals, Biddy Graham was converted. Who knows? All because a Sunday school teacher made a visit. 
You say, I'm just a Sunday school teacher. So was Mr. Kimball, but he won a lad named Dwight. And that lad named Dwight gave his life to God and, and saved America. Just by a Sunday school teacher. But I wonder how many times that Sunday school teacher saved America through Chapman's and Sundays and others. But you say, preacher, I'm no king, I'm no judge, I'm no queen, I'm no evangelist, I'm no Jonah, I'm no Esther, I'm no David, I'm no Shamgar, I'm just a layman. Well, I'll tell you what one layman did one night. A teenage lad was walking one night, going one night to church, and a snowstorm came, and it was such a bad storm that only about 15 people showed up, and the preacher didn't even show up that night. And they had to ask a layman if he had bring the message, and he brought a message, and the young lad, I think about 15 years of age, the young lad was saved that night, all because a faithful layman stood up and filled the pulpit when the preacher was not there. And that young lad received Christ. His name? His name was Charles Haddon Spurgeon, who saved England for God, all because of a Sunday school teacher. Or a deacon, a layman, if you please. <laughs> I'm just a mission man. I just stay at the mission. Uh, I'm one of those fellows that smoke my cigarette and hide when you drive by. You better hide, you rascals, you. And, uh, but uh, I'm just a mission man. That's all I am. I just hang around the rescue mission. What can I do to save America? Well, I'll do what one fellow did one time. Fellow stumbled into the mission, Pacific Garden Mission, one night. And they told him about Christ, and he got saved. His name was Billy Sunday. And he shook America for God. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to mother the boy that shakes America for God and saves our nation from destruction, but you might be. I'm not saying that you're going to win when you win that little old ragamuffin kid in your Sunday school class that that kid's going to be a Dwight Moody, but he might be. Mr. Kimball didn't think he would be. I'm not going to say that the next fellow who stumbles in the rescue mission down here on, on Canyon Street is going to be a bit of Sunday, but they didn't think that that night either at Pacific Guard Mission. I'm not going to say that the, the next time the uh, board member stands up and speaks to 15 people in some church in a storm sometime, that uh, Charles Spurgeon's going to get converted. But I am saying this. I'm saying that, that the world has been saved with the hands of lay people, dedicated lay people. Now that, if I stopped here, you, would, you wouldn't be too, too encouraged about your hope for what you could do to save America. You wouldn't be too encouraged because most of you, most of you mothers would say, yeah, just, just, just one, just one John Wesley. Most of you, most of you Sunday school teachers would say, yeah, just one Dwight Moody. Or most of you mission men would say, just one Billy Sunday. And uh, most of you board members would say, uh, just one Charles Spurgeon, and you'd just cast it aside and say it won't happen again. If it did, it wouldn't happen to me. The chances are one in a billion to ever happen to me or happen to anybody else again for that matter. I couldn't save America, but there's something you could, can do to save America. And I'm going to tell you a story. Part of it you already know, part of it you don't. <clears throat> Several years ago, it dawned on me that America's going to hell. Now, I mean, I don't, I don't mean just going bad. I mean going to hell. I mean communism is going to take over. I mean our freedom is about gone. I mean gospel preachers on the radio are about off the air. I mean publishing gospel sermons might be history. I mean passing out tracts might be outlawed. I mean our way of fundamental Christianity. Listen, there's nobody in this world that is hated as much as the fundamentalist is by the liberal. Right over in in one of the suburbs, I won't even call the name of the city, but one of the suburbs, Munster, Griffith, Highland, out that area, they have already played in one of the schools, already played a record condemning and cursing fundamentalists. There's nobody the liberal hates like he hates the fundamentalists. Nobody. I'm not talking about just the liberal theologian. I'm talking about the liberal politician. Strange thing about it, your Fulbright, God pity him and God bless his ignorant soul, your Fulbrights can get up and holler and scream about liberalism and your McGovern can do likewise, but in an Agnew gets up, they holler, rabble rouser, bigot, brother, I just hope he never shuts up. <laughs> 
Long live his courage. They always talk out and speak out. But, listen, listen, they're not concerned about freedom. They're concerned about their freedom to propagate their garbage. They're not concerned about freedom. Listen, not a one of the left-wing crowd, not a one of the hippie crowd, not a one of the SDS, not a one of the revolutionaries is fighting, so I'll have a right to preach fundamentalism in America the rest of my life. They're not fighting for freedom. They're fighting for their freedom. And, brother, when they use, and let me say this, it is not right for us to strain our freedom and for them to use the freedom, the talk of freedom, to have the freedom, to destroy the freedom that they have to use. I'm simply saying any man that is against American freedom has no right. He's not free to speak. He ought not to be. I realize that our nation, and I mean this, I mean it, it's dead, I'm dead serious, it's, it's my life. I sat in my basement one night and I came to the sad, shocking realization that my country is about gone. I've traveled around this world and there are better nations than America. Now, did you know there, and I'll hold it, don't don't get mad at me. I'm simply saying there are more Christian nations than America now. Don't misunderstand me. I'm an American. I'm an American. And I'll fight for my nation. And, I, and I'm for America. But I'll tell you what. Morally, there are better nations than America right now. Did you know there are countries where you can't gamble? Did you know there are countries where you can't wear shorts in public? There are countries, did you know where there are more morals than we have in America? And I face the sad realization that our way of life and our country was not gone. Now listen to me. I face the fact that a person can burn the flag in a classroom and not be put in jail. How sad. Every teacher that stands up and burns an American flag ought to serve some time in the penitentiary for him. I realize, right across the street, right across the street, when this hippie joint was open over there, uh, and um, and they had all that immorality going on. They got right across the street and took an American flag and washed cars with it. And under the guise of freedom, we let morons like that and traitors like that run loose. They ought to be in jail. And I faced this thing a few years ago. And I sat in my basement one night and I spent most of the night on my face. I won't go into it, but I had on my desk that night 22 invitations to citywide revivals across this country. I'm not bragging a bit. To me, that's not nothing to brag about. I'm not. I'm not interested. I just so happens that not not my cup of tea. But I had a committee in Flint, Michigan, 22 churches that asked me to come to Flint for citywide revival. I had a, a fundamental ministers group in Norfolk, Virginia. I had a letter on my desk that come to Norfolk, preach citywide revival. Jacksonville, Florida, by the way. Uh, old Dr. Hodges used to be down there. He bit me several times and others and asked me to come to Jacksonville for citywide revival. Denver, Colorado, churches had gotten together and written me and said that you come to Denver for citywide revival. Dallas, Texas already had the city auditorium rented for a citywide revival. Phoenix, Arizona, pastors wrote me and said, Did you come to Phoenix for a citywide revival? Jackson, Michigan wrote me and said, Did you come to Jackson for a citywide revival? All the churches cooperating and all the, many of them, and fundamental churches, of course. And I put those letters on my desk. And I took two invitations for me to become president of college or seminary and put it on my desk. And I said, Dear God, I'm just one man. I'm afraid my country is gone. Now, what can I do most to save my country? Now, I've told you this. I came to the realization that there are three things that I think I can do that will come near doing my part to save America. Number one, pastor this church and build a great soul-winning church here on this corner. Number two, try to reach preachers. Try to reach preachers. And, and number three, publish books. That'll help preachers. That night, I dictated answers to the 
Oh, the next day I declared answers to these people and, and rejected the citywide revivals and other invitations. And I pledged myself on my knees that night to do what I can to use the stick that God has given me to help save our country. I'll be honest with you. It breaks my heart to think that these kids over here not having what you and I have gotten to enjoy. I want David, my son, when David stands behind the pulpit, I want him to have freedom to preach. And I've said to him time and time again, and I've said it with emotion and tears, I've said, son, when I hand you my Bible, or when I ordain you to preach, and it won't be long, but when I lay down my Bible and preach my last sermon, if we don't have freedom in America, I want to have done my best to give you a pulpit where you can preach as a free man. It breaks my heart to think that these boys right down here may have to give their lives for what you and I have taken for granted all these years. And that night, way in the night, I went up to the room, went to Becky's room, and I knelt beside Becky's bed. And I said, Dear God, help me to do my best to save this nation for Becky. I forget who was sleeping in Becky's room. One of the couple of the girls slept together. I went to Linda, where Linda was sleeping. And I said, Dear God, give Linda an America like I've had. I went to Cindy's room, the bed where she was sleeping, and I knelt and I said, Dear God, give Cindy an America like I've had. And I went to David's room and knelt beside his bed. And I said, Dear God, let me do what I can to give my boy an America like I've known. Now I've spent myself from that day to this. I've never traveled as much. I've never preached as many sermons. I've never preached as hard. I've never cried as much. And then I came to the church during the night. I came into the church building, unlocked the door. I went to every department in our church, from the nursery to the high school. And I knelt in every room in this church where our kids meet. And I said, Dear God, help me to do what I can to give these kids a free America. And I'll be honest with you. I cry more tears. I was in I was in uh, Atlanta the other day and uh, preached for this forest you you there, Forest Park, Forest Hill. And then I, I, I ever watched the prayer. I mean, I, I've, I've stayed in hotel rooms in Atlanta and prayed for God to send somebody to Atlanta to shake that town so, so many times. And, 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 and God did it. I mean, God did it. And there's a fellow there now that, that I mean, he's going to do it. I mean, he's, he's right there in Decatur, right out, right next to Atlanta, big, close enough to Atlanta to, to reach the whole city. And, uh, and he's got the idea. He's the fellow who was a postman. And, uh, had 20 members in a little old church about the size I had for this choir and came down to Atlanta. One, and by the way, I had, I had cried and prayed that night on my knees in the, in the hotel room. God, give somebody to Atlanta. God, give Atlanta a man of God, a prophet of God to shake the Atlanta area because Atlanta is the key to the whole South. And that day, a fellow was walking his postal route. And he, as he was walking his route, he had, he had a paper called the Sword of the Lord, and he's going to put it in the door, and, and, but that picture folks had moved. And so he looked down and he said, well, I can't put it here, what do I do with it? And, and there's no place to send it. They didn't give any forwarding address. So he had a Sword of the Lord in his hand, nothing to do with it. He opened it up and said he saw <coughs> Dr. Jack Hiles' picture. And he said, I, I've heard about that guy. And this fellow was a postman pastoring 20 church members. And he said, I've heard about that guy. And so he'll go hear him. He went one afternoon and heard me teach the soul winning course. And he said, before I got through, he said, I wish that fellow to hurry up and get through uh, that course. I want to go out and run somebody. Went out one three that day. And that same guy, never been to school, never been to college, never been to college. 
Somebody, somebody told him, something happened when I was a kid. Somebody told him he preached, and they said, you're the only premillennialist in this area. How long have you been a premillennialist? He said, a what? And they said, a premillennialist, are you one? He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to go back home, look up the word to find out what it meant. The guys were in 1800 and Sunday school in Atlanta, Georgia. I prayed for God to send somebody to New York City and send somebody to Seattle and send somebody. I was in Portland the other day and it says in the Sheraton Hotel, I fell on my face and I said, God, send somebody to Portland. I mean somebody who will build a great work and get thousands saved and shake the whole city for God. If we don't, the nation's gone. And I went through the entire building here and prayed for our beginner kids and our nursery kids and our primary kids and our junior kids our junior high kids and our high school kids. And I got on my knees and I dedicated my what, what little life I've got. Now, I can't save America. I can't. But I did what I can do. I can do all I can do. I can do what Jack Hiles can do, young people. I can do what Jack Hiles can do. And you can do what you can do. And so, my, my eyes fell on Genesis 18. And from that day to this, and about four years ago, four years now, from that day to this, Genesis 18 has been my dream, my hope for America. Abraham came, I love Abraham, God bless Abraham. You know why I like Abraham? Lot, his nephew, was a trickster and a, and a selfish, materialistic-minded fella who... Abraham said, there's strife between our, our, our camps. Your herdmen and my herdmen are fighting. Now, let there be no strife. And Abraham said, Lot, just choose the land that you want. And Lot saw the well-watered plains towards Sodom and chose the land, chose the best of the land. And Abraham was happy to take what was left. Lot went down to Sodom and became a Sodomite. And there in the city of Sodom, he became a, 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 a big boy, a big shot. And then God sent angels and said he was going to destroy the city of Sodom. Fire and brimstone was going to come. Abraham heard about it. Now, if that had been me, when I heard about it, I'd have said, Oh, that old Lot's going to get what's coming to him. So that was it. Now, that's what you'd have said, too, you sanctimonious hypocrite. You, you'd have said the same thing. I'd have said, Boy, oh boy, the Lord pays, doesn't he? I'm glad old Lot's getting what's coming. But Abraham didn't. Abraham came to God and said, Dear God, look, I've got a nephew. I know he's not where he ought to be, but he's my nephew. Lord, I, I love the city, and I don't want to destroy Sodom. Lord, if I could find 50 righteous people, would you spare the city of Sodom? And the Lord looked down and said, Abraham, I'd spare it for city. Abraham came back to 50. And the guy said, would you spare it, dear Lord, for 45? And the Lord said, yes, I'd do it for 45, Abraham. Uh, Lord, I hate to be presumptuous, but would you do it for just 40? And the Lord said, yes, I'll do it for 40. Abraham tried to find 40 and couldn't find 40 righteous people. And he came back and said, dear God, he said, I hate to be presumptuous again, but Lord said, I know how you are and would you spare it for 30? And the Lord said, you can find 30 righteous people I won't destroy. He went out and tried to find 30 righteous folks and couldn't find them. He came back and said, dear God, don't destroy the city. Oh, don't destroy the city. My nephew's there. Don't destroy the city. Lord, if I could find, if I could find 20, would you spare Sodom? And the Lord said, yes, Abraham, you can find 20 righteous people. I'll spare Sodom. And Abraham came back and he said, Lord, I fail. Lord, if I could find just 10, just 10 righteous people. Now, Lord, there are eight in Lot's family. If Lot got his entire family saved, and if he got one, two souls in 20 years, he won two, now Lot had been there 20 years. Abraham thought, surely Lot got his family saved. Righteous, Lot was a righteous man. He was a saved man. He vexed his righteous soul because of the evil deeds of Sodom. And uh, he said to the Lord, if, if, if he won his own family of eight, uh, you know, uh, Noah had eight, and, and he got all of them in the ark. Now, if Lot got all of his, then, uh, uh, and, and just ran two other souls. If in 20 years, if Lot had won two souls in his own family in 20 years, the Lord would just spare for ten. And the Lord said, Abraham, I'll spare it for ten. And so Abraham tried to find the ten righteous people and couldn't find ten. You know how many he found? He found three. Three. Lot had eight people in his family. Five of them wouldn't even get converted. 
Only three out of eight. He had won no people to Christ. Not one soul had he won in 20 years. Why do you say that backslider? 20 years. He ought to won two. Okay. How many have you won in 20 years? There are people sitting right here in this room tonight who've been saved for 20 years, and you have not yet taken your Bible and won two people to Jesus Christ. Listen, backsliders like you cause the city of Sodom to have fire and brimstone fall. Now you say, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. I'm saying there's something you can do. Look, if God had come and said, now Lot, if you will win ten people, I'll, I'll spare the city of Sodom. Well, Lot would have gotten his family together and said, Hey, folks, all we've got to do is win ten. But Lot didn't know. He did not know. Sodom was not destroyed because of the homosexuals. Sodom was not destroyed because of the drunkard. Sodom was not destroyed because of the sodomists. Sodom was destroyed because Lot, just Lot, saved Lot, the nephew of Abraham, did not win ten. To Jesus Christ. Now listen to me. I hate the sodomists. I hate the homosexual sin. I hate the wicked, vulgar, vile, sensual Ameri uh, sins of America. I hate the communists. I don't hate the people. I hate communism. And I hate drunkenness. And I hate the liquor traffic. And I detest this dope traffic. But brother, all the demons in hell couldn't destroy America. If we had a bunch of people like you that spent themselves in personal soul winning. You know why? Because we'd get enough salt to savor this country. We'd get enough Christians to where God would not destroy it. Why? Hey, why? Look, didn't the Lord say to Sodom, get out of, uh, Lot, get out of Sodom. I can't destroy the city that you get out. His wife turned to a pillar of salt. Now what can you do? There's something you can do. Here's what I'm doing. I go around this country. I'm trying to get people to become soul winners. Because I believe, now we're not gonna, we're not gonna save America. I don't think America is, everybody in America is gonna get converted. But I do believe we can find the ten. And for four years, I've given my life to try to find the ten. I believe that God has placed a quota on America. I believe that God has said, I'll not destroy America. Now, don't misunderstand me. The wickedness will be there. Everybody won't get saved. Revival may not sweep the country. But at least I'll not destroy it. At least I'll not send fire and brimstone. At least I'll, I'll leave freedom. At least I'll get let the children grow up in America like we've grown up in. I believe the only hope is for us to win folks and 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 win folks until we've reached enough righteous people for God. Until God will look down and say, I see the ten righteous people and I will not destroy America. Now listen to me. I do not see... Now, now ask your question. Would Sodom have been spared if Lot had won nine people to God? Would he? All right. Uh, how many would agree to that? Lot, Sodom would have been spared, would not have been destroyed if Lot had won nine and Abraham could have found ten righteous folks. you agree? Raise your hand. Would you way up high? Way up high? All right. Now then, if that be the case, don't you think God would spare America if we get enough righteous people? I don't see how you can kiss your baby good night. I don't see how you can put those little pajamas on his little old body. Those little feet tucked in those little, I, I call them uh, rabbit pajamas. I don't see how you can say this is a piggy went to market and this is a piggy stayed home and this is a piggy had roast beef and this is a piggy had none. This is a piggy cry. Wee, 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 all the way home. Or maybe you have the modern version. This is a piggy said I want some corn. This is a piggy said we're going to get it at. Adam asked was born. I'm going to tell. Wee, 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 wee. Whichever version, the scholarly version or the primer version. I don't see how you can kiss him goodnight and say, Mama loves you or Daddy loves you. If you're not. How many righteous folks have you gotten? How many souls have you won? 
What are you doing to save America? Here's something you can do. Yeah, I mean, you can do it. You can't take an ox goat and, 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 and kill 600 Philistines. You can't take a slingshot and throw it at Goliath's temple. You can't uh, uh, go like Esther the queen to the king and, and king's throne and save the nation. You can't, like Jonah, go up and down the streets of Nineveh saying, Repent! Forty days, yet Nineveh shall be destroyed. You can't do that, but you can do what would have saved Sodom. You can do it. So I decided that I was going to spend my, everywhere I go, I hope to do this. Everywhere I go. I figured Brother Beebe, Brother Colston, Brother Fifth, fellas, Brother, Brother Cedar, Brother Borgway, I figured this. I figure if I can get a hundred people a week, and that's my goal, as I preach across the country, if I can get a hundred people a week to win a hundred people a year, now think about this. In one year's time, I have 5,200 people who promise to win a hundred people a year. That's 520,000 righteous people. Hopes we win. Now, if these hundred people a week, to win a hundred people a week, if they live an average of 20 years, then I've got a lot of people. You'll be old someday. Then I've got one heap of people. <laughs> Multiply 20 times 520,000. Do it. Not in your head. I don't think so. He'll have it done by the time baptism's over. 20 times 520,000. If I if 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 they live twenty years, aren't you done? You got it yet? Or aren't did, did you please ten million four hundred thousand in twenty years? Don't you think if God had spared Sodom for, t- for t- ten righteous folks, to spare America for ten million? Don't you see what I'm saying? What's the secret? Look. Now, I'm not against Carl McIntyre's march. I'll be up there. A week from tomorrow night, I'll, I'll be up there, God willing, in Cape May, New Jersey, and, and I'll see Dr. McIntyre and Avian Charlie and Hallelujah Joe and all the rest of them. And, uh, and I, I'll be there, and I'm looking forward to being there, and I thank God for it. But, but honestly, and listen, I'm glad. I wish we had, a, I wish we had 50 million Americans march on the White House and, and march on the country and let the television cameras turn their their lenses on some short-haired, decent, godly, patriotic Americans. I thank God for it, but that's not going to save America. God didn't say I'd save it for ten placards. He said I'll save it for ten righteous people. God is going to save this nation if His people, who are called by His name, will humble themselves and pray and seek His face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. God says, I want righteous people. That's why I have the pastor's school. I figured if I can get reach 10,000 preachers, and I can find 10,000 preachers to reach a thousand souls for God, If I can get my records out on soul winning, my books on soul winning, my tapes on soul winning, I can go up and down this country preaching on soul winning. Everybody knows I do that. Everywhere I go, I preach on soul winning. Why? Because I think that's a very interesting part of God's program. No, sir, I think it's a hope for America. That's the reason Dr. Vigie goes up and down the country starting bus routes and teaching folks how to start bus ministries and writing books about it and getting the message out. Why? Because we want righteous people to save this nation. That's why Dr. Billings is here tonight, just came in a while ago. That's why he goes up and down the country trying to stir folks to start schools and trying to get people to get decent schools for our boys and girls. Why? To get righteous people. That's why. So at night our country's going. Amazing thing to me. Why we can stop and realize that we hold in our the, our hands, we hold in our hands the hope for America. Do you want to know why 
This kid called me and said they're sending him home if he keeps on witnessing because the devil knows what the hope for America is too. You know why? That they have not <laughs> walked in the Ashburn Baptist Church and, and taken um, Vernon Lyons out because he preaches or teaches the Bible. The devil doesn't mind a fellow standing behind a pulpit with a uh, building dark outside and a handful of people hearing him expound the Scripture. He knows that's not going to save America. Deeper life churches and dead, dry, dusty theologians, that's not going to save America. The devil knows. When that Vernon Lyons in his church goes outside the building and goes out to a parking lot and passes out gospel tracts, he knows the message of hope is going out, and he knows that, that the righteous quota might be met. His soul winning is, 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 is continued, and the devil attacks it. That's why the devil attacks First Baptist Church. He doesn't attack our church because we believe the Bible. Good night. He's got a lot of preachers believe the Bible around the country just doing nothing about it. The devil is against soul winning. The devil is against evangelism. The devil is against soaring. Why? He knows that America will not live unless we have some soaring. And so what you can do is win folks to Christ. Let's suppose tonight we have, uh, let's suppose we have a thousand adults here. Or a thousand folks old enough to be soaring. We have more than that. But let's suppose we have a thousand folks old enough to win souls. Let's suppose tonight that all that each of us would <coughs> vow to God to win a hundred folks to Christ next year. We could find a hundred. We could have a hundred and hundred thousand righteous people that we could present to God in one year's time. Let's suppose God gave us an average of ten years of peace to serve Him. That's a million people could be won to Christ from the people sitting in this room tonight. Don't you see the possibility? That's the secret. That's the only hope. When you say. Well, I just not turned that way. Brother, let me tell you something. I'm not a fireman either, but when my house catches on fire, I'm going to turn that way. Suppose tonight, wake up and neighbor comes over and says, Hey, Reverend Hiles, Reverend Hiles, your house is on fire. <laughs> and suppose David comes down and says, Hey, Dad, let's get the hose and hook it up and let's put the fire out. And I'll say, David, I don't have a union fire. I'm just not turned that way. I never did like I get wet. I always hated to get water splashed all over my pajamas. What do you mean? The life of the family is at stake. The life of our nation is at stake. And you say, I'm just not turned that way. Across the country where I go, I say to people, folks say to me, well, I, I'm just too, I'm just, uh, I'm not very gifted at soul winning. I feel okay. Then just tell folks you're not gifted while you win souls. But they say, I'm too timid. I say, okay, suck your thumb while you win souls. Gifted, not gifted. Turn that way or not turn that way. The hope of these kids is for us to get enough righteous people so God won't destroy this nation. We've got the strangest idea that America has some kind of an immunization against being destroyed. We found in our generation, ladies and gentlemen, that America can go down the drain just like any other nation can, and she's going. She's going. I preach across this country. It's getting to where I hardly ever preach to a crowd of any size across this country, but I don't almost have to fight before I get to it. And especially is that true in the North. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? I just say, I just don't pray. I wouldn't give you that much for a, for a non-soul-winning prayer. David takes the garbage out. I have. Both tonight. He and I drive home together. He waits for me. Drive home together. Get home. I said, son, don't get the garbage. He says, dad, I, I'm just going to pray to get taken out. That old dog won't hunt. And praying and not doing soul winning won't get America saved. 
What do you say? How am I going to do? I'm just going to cast my vote. Who are you going to vote for? Huh? Who are you going to vote for? When they run Rockefeller versus Kennedy, who are you going to vote for? I'm going to vote an absentee ballot for Wallace. I'd even vote for you. Who are you going to vote for? When they run uh, Scranton against Humphrey, who are you going to vote for? Hmm? That's just like choosing a polecat and a skunk. You say, you sure are frank. You ought to come sometime and I'm really honest. Who are you going to vote for? Boy, <laughs> it really, it sounds real good to say, as an American, you have a part in the destiny of this country. Speak at the ballot. Huh? Who are you going to vote for? When Muskie... <laughs> it's hard to encourage isn't it? Huh? I'm about to cry thinking about it. Huh? When Muskie's name was on one side and Birch Bay is on the other side. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to shout, remember the Alamo. What you going to do? What you going to do when... Percy's name over here in our neighboring state of Illinois. He's on one side. You folks in Illinois say, well, you're criticizing Percy. Listen, brother. I am an old-fashioned, fundamentalist, conservative, right-wing, bigoted Christian. I believe in capital punishment. I believe in fighting to defend America. I don't believe in peace when you ought to fight. I believe in standing for right. I believe in fighting indecency. I believe in fighting dope. I hate the liquor traffic. I hate communism. I hate socialism. I hate nudity. I hate the new morality. I hate the new evangelism. I hate the new orthodoxy. I hate the liberal crowd. I hate what's destroying and defeating America. God give us some old-fashioned patriots. Who'll say with the man of old, give me liberty or give me death? I'd rather be dead than red. But your vote's not going to save this country. There's nothing they like to do any more than say, just cast your vote. You say, preacher, what can I do? You can take off soul That's it. Look, did you know that the fundamentalist crowd in America, if it would all just go soul winning? You know, in, in, in four years' time, between presidential elections, we could win enough folks to Christ to elect the president. Soul winning's the need. Soul winning's the answer. The other day, I, <clears throat> I was reading a report about our GARB churches, and I'm not opposed to them. God bless them. And they're talking about the converts that had in the last year, and that averaged about seven converts a church in the whole nation. About seven a church. Well, I mean, the millennium's about here, isn't it? About seven a church. Now, if the same energy spent on a bunch of committees were spent by those people on just knocking on doors and winning folks to fight, I believe we can spare them. Now, I can't say this, but I'm honestly, and God knows this is true, I am doing my part. I made this, this I'm going to quit with this. I made this statement of the night. I was in Portland. And, and I don't know, I don't know why, but I was so weary. And I don't usually get that way. And, and when I do, when I, if I ever do, I don't admit it. But, uh, I was so weary. And, and I just got to thinking. Reckon, reckon, <laughs> Is any hope? I turned the television, said, "On, watch the news," and it said, "Our ping pong team has returned from Red China." There's two reasons why I wouldn't have sent that ping pong team. 
first reason we got beat. And I wouldn't send him anything unless we could win. I like what Vince Lombardi says. The fellow says that says, well, uh, he, he said you, you got to lose sometime. He said he'll lose sometime. He'll lose most of the time. But the second reason is I am not about to cater to a nation that's destroying our boys on the battlefield. And then I heard that on the television that they're thinking about somebody advocated, one of the big boys in the, in the administration had advocated the admission of Red China to the United Nations. And brother, you're looking at one fella who hopes they never get in until they get some decency and freedom. But when I heard that, I just fell on the bed and I began to cry. And I said, I just wonder if it's worth it. I wonder if it's worth it. Second, there's any hope at all. A lot of us hope that Nixon will be the answer. Well, let's just keep on. Let's keep on witnessing, keep on building soul winning churches. Keep on selling the records, keep on getting the books out, keep on going with the BB trying to start bus ministries, Dr. Billings trying to get the schools started. Let's just keep on witnessing. What can you do? You can go soul winning. And that's the hope for our nation. I wish we had a hundred people tonight and say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just fill a bus up. Just gonna fill a bus up. That's what you can do. You can get, help us get the righteous people. I wish some of you Sunday school workers tonight would say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna devil my class this summer, right here in the summertime. I'm gonna devil, devil my class. That's what you can do. Help us find the righteous people. Dear God, if I could find 50, Forty-five? Yeah. Forty? Thirty? Twenty? Yeah. Lord, ten? I think Abraham, I think I know what he did. I think Abraham went to see Lot. Hey, Lot. <laughs> Hello, Uncle Abraham. Hi, Lot. How's life get? Oh, pretty good. Had some messengers came, said they're going to, God's going to destroy the city. Abraham said, Lot, that's what I came to talk to you about. I, uh, I talked to God, and cities going to be spared. <laughs> cities going to be spared, Lot. <laughs> Is that a fact? Spared? Yeah. I talked to God about it. <laughs> He's going to spare the city. <laughs> that's wonderful. That's great. Boy, that's fine. Yeah. Not going to have the destruction. Not going to have the destruction. <laughs> said Lot, said, bring all your family and all eight of them, and, and uh, we'll tell them about it, that God's going to spare the city. And, and Lot said, but, but only three of them believe in God, just me and a couple of the girls are saved. Oh? Um, you know what to do? Just go out and get seven other folks you want to try. You've been here 20 years. But don't, don't get the whole crowd. I just need seven more. Just you, your two daughters, and seven more. Bring them here. I got to, I want to tell them what God's going to do. Just get me ten righteous folks and bring them in. I want to tell them. Lots Uncle Abraham, we don't have any righteous people in Sodom, but me and my two daughters. I stuck Abraham through his head in his hands and said, Lot, you don't have ten? Well, no, Uncle Abraham. Lot, what you've been doing? You've been here 20 years. Well, I've been defending the faith. I've been studying the toes on the beast. Revelation. I'm not against the toes as long as all ten of them going soul winning. All of them. But Lot, can't you find ten? Well, it's only three of us. We, we don't have very many, but we don't believe in a mushroom growth. We don't believe in... We just... We just Study the word together. We have prayer meetings. Lot, don't you have ten? Don't have ten. I'm sorry. God has promised me that if we had ten, it saves us. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, preachthebible.org.
If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit knvbc.com for Christian music you can trust.